And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And you cannot miss us today because we have a special guest coming in from IUPUI. Last week we had um, our marvelous guest, uh, Tom Fultz, the great mathematician from IUPUI and a number of other places, actually. Uh, but uh, Tom was a great guest last week, talked about the issue of a designed universe and the emphasis, of course, that we have as Christians about such things. We're grateful uh, for Tom's presence here this last week. This week we have another prof from IUPUI. He goes uh, in a different direction as it relates to uh, his teaching and his uh, emphasis there at IUPUI. Uh, Larry Smith is actually uh, going on uh, this particular week, and our focus, of course, uh, with him is going to be on leadership because he is from the Tobias Leadership uh, Center on the campus of IUPUI, and uh, a wonderful opportunity to have uh, Larry with us here today. My co-host, Dr. Clyde Posey, will be joining us soon, and uh, when he does, we'll start our discussion uh, establishing a biblical base of leadership from a Christian point of view. But before then, let me give you just a kind of a highlight of what we do here at Cominius Institute, and specifically our focus on this particular radio show. So at Cominius, we cross three bridges. The first bridge that we cross is at college at IUPUI. I work with students and faculty there at IUPUI, helping them to understand their studies, the students from a Christian point of view, uh, always trying to connect with faculty to, f to find out, to understand, to engage uh, different kinds of ideas, I think, that might be helpful for all of us uh, certainly across the board in our culture. Uh, so that's what we do at IUPUI, Cominius at college. Then there's Cominius in the community. So in the community, we do something like this radio show, for instance. Our radio show comes to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we focus on Christians uh, that are doing good around Indianapolis. It's based on those commands from Titus chapter 3, do good, do good, do good. And our focus there, of course, is always the same, and that is we're looking for folks in and around Indianapolis who are uh, engaged in whatever it is that they might be engaged in socially, uh, some kind of social contacts, uh, whatever the, the case might be, and the kinds of things that they do around Indianapolis that is doing good. Now, of course, our focal point is always to uh, find those folks, but in case you run across somebody that you think ought to be on this particular program, you holler at me. Uh, just shoot me an email at echo, that's my last name, 1957 at gmail, or shoot me a message, personal message at Facebook, or I'm all over social media. You can find me anywhere, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, go to our websites, warpandwoof.org, that's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org, or Cominius Institute. Dot org or dot com and you'll find us there. Uh, by the way, just in terms of community and the connection now to our third bridge that we cross into culture, uh, we are engaged in all kinds of different events and cultural uh, connections. And uh, so, for instance, on our websites, CominiusInstitute.org.com and WarpAndWoof.org, you'll find over a thousand uh, podcasts, sermons, uh, essays, all kinds of things, video teaching on one thing or another across a broad array of different subject areas and engagements. So uh, do check with us uh, at those particular websites. Those things are accessed easily and freely to anybody and everyone. So we're looking forward to uh, having Larry Smith on in our second hour. And until that time, we're going to take a one-song break. And when we come back, we'll begin our discussion of what does it mean to think Christianly about leadership. We'll be engaging with the Tobias Leadership Center as well, 
Larry Smith in the second hour, Dr. Clyde Posley joining us shortly. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Wolf Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You are now seeing Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckel here on Facebook Live, and we are here on YouTube Live as well if you're connecting with us there or later on in the archived event. Uh, podcasts will come out later on where our marvelous technician, Josh Collingwood, is going to take care of our tech issues. So uh, Harold H.B. Bell is sitting in the studio here with us. He is the one taking care of all the music, so any kind of musical interludes you hear HB from the background saying, you're on, yes, that yes. means we are on. <laughs> Mr. Jumbo Love himself. That's right, boy. He is the man. Talk about the man. Here it is. Just, to, I just want to say this for those of you who might be, doing, might be seeing brand new podcasts coming out. So I see podcasts popping up all over the place, and I see podcasts popping up from uh, folks who have had the opportunity to be involved with HB. And what I find is that uh, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. <laughs> and, and, and so. That is, that, is, that, is, well, that is often said. That is often said. And I got to tell you, if, if uh, you see new podcasts popping up, uh, more likely than not, the folks have been somehow engaged with H.B. Bell here at 2131 East 10th Street. He has been doing his thing for seven years. As far as I'm concerned, he's the man at Radio Next. So speaking about leadership, uh, kind of a nice segue because uh, HB is a great leader here in the Indianapolis area. Uh, we're talking about leadership here today, actually going to be having uh, Tobias Leadership Center represented by the great Larry Smith. We're looking forward to having him on in the second hour. So Dr. Cl Clyde Posley, yes. Antioch Baptist Church. We are here to engage this marvelous question of leadership. How do you, from your vantage point, when you think about leadership, how do you engage it from your uh, viewpoint? What are the first things that you want to talk about? What are the foundation stones to this? Uh, the origin of the leader. Mm. It's, it, anyone can wear, can choose to place the title of leadership on themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just in as much as um, people can place a title of leadership on people. Yes. But leaders have to come from God, mm -hmm. and 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 we, we, we throw the term around, Doctor Echo. Uh, such and such is a born leader. Mm. Um, I don't know how much that really means or how true it is, uh, because just like we are, we were born males. Mm -hmm. We weren't born men. We we're born males. Mm. We have to learn to become men. Mm. And in the same way, we have to be careful with that. Such and such is a born leader. No, any any good leader. The, uh, any any good leader of character and integrity and godliness has the hand of God on them, mm. and that's what caused that mm. through a series of difficulties, um, uh, ups, downs, trials, lessons. Yeah, Jesus, and 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 I'm, I'm teaching about I'm teaching through the through the uh, Sermon on the Mount in mm. Bible study. Okay, and uh, Jesus, the Bible says in the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. When Jesus went into a, Jesus had gone into a mountain, and when he was set, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Mm. So he then he first calls twelve disciples, and then teaches them. Mm. Yeah, he, it's called a sermon on the mount, but it's actually a lesson on the mount. Yeah. And he teaches these leaders. This is important because God in Christ called 
12 leaders mm. and did not unleash them for three years until he could teach them, mm -hmm. show them by precept and example. Yes. So, uh, in a more direct conclusion to my answer uh, to, uh, to your question, leadership must be given to us by God. It mm. is a grace mm. that comes from God. Wow. I'm thinking of that uh, passage in Numbers chapter 11 where where Moses, uh, having seen people invested uh, with the Spirit of God, mm. says, I wish that everybody would have the Spirit of God, that passage in Numbers right. chapter 11. Right. Uh, this, right. this issue of leadership is really difficult because, quite frankly, if you are a leader, then, then you have to have followers. So you just, mm -hmm. by the way, those two things kind of go together. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have followers, you're not a leader. Right. And, of course, the flip side is true. If you're a leader, then you have followers, and that means that you have to care for the followers. Right. So you can't just treat the followers any way that you want. And to Dr. Clyde's point, uh, the emphasis, of course, that God is the one who makes leaders. So, again, First Testament teaching. Uh, actually, the very first time, this is a fascinating little uh, piece of information from Old Testament studies. The very first time that Scripture indicates anybody was filled with the Spirit is in Exodus chapters 29 to 35, right. which is Bezalel, who is building the accoutrements of the temple. So mm -hmm. here you have somebody working with wood, working with stone, working with fabric, who has been indwelt by the Spirit of God for leadership purposes. That's a fascinating idea. And so just let me punctuate it by saying the first leaders, or the first people, let me say, that were indwelled by the Spirit of God were artists. That's right. Artists, not preachers, not prophets, not priests. Artists. I just want to emphasize that because I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> so you can be a leader in any venture, in any venue, in any vocation. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think that God empowers believers, all, all believers, to be leaders. I, I, now I know we, we're talking about leadership in a different vein, but in, in 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 it can be said not to go far away, but we are. That is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do with us, apart along with um, our salvation, along with um, you know giving us residency in heaven. But He's trying to put us in a position where we can lead people to Christ, mm. and and so often. Uh, this is important because often people assume that leadership uh, is exemplified only in, in, in personas like ours, mm. or a pastor, or a professor, mm. or uh, HB, yeah. or uh, a president, or a senator, or a congress, or a politician, or a manager. No, 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 no. We we have a light that should show signs that should that should, according to scripture, so shine that men see our good works mm. and glorify our Father. So we, um, uh, Jesus Christ made it clear to those disciples, he, he intended to make them all fishers of men. Mm -hmm. And not just because they, I don't believe he meant just you all. Yeah. That you, are, that, that they would uh, teach all men to be fishers of men. And so in, in, that, in that regard, I think we are all responsible uh, for playing a role of leadership at some level. Mm. It reminds me of uh, when Jesus calls his disciples in John chapter 1, for instance, uh, when he calls those two brothers and they come to follow Jesus. And he says, mm -hmm. look, you have an opportunity to here to follow me. And the emphasis on following Jesus is a real uh, crucial concern, obviously, for us. That leaders, let, let's say it this way, leaders, first of all, need to be followers. And from a Absolutely. Christian vantage point, we're talking about the 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, you follow me as I follow, follow Jesus. Christ, right. Yeah. That's right. 
I, I, I think, uh, I, I, because, and, and, and let's talk for a second about why it's so important for leaders to be followers first. Because in, in the fellowship, which is a, a, being a prelude to leadership, mm-hmm. you are pruned. Mm-hmm. And, and and trust me when I tell you, if I could look in the audience's face, I'd tell them. And there's a bit of pruning that happens after, even when you become a leader. Yeah. But in the fellowship, you are shaped. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people uh, who aspire to grand leadership or visible leadership or whatever the case, uh, many of them uh, miss the point that the shaping of such a call happens in obscurity. Mm. Uh, behind... In, 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 under the veil of life, in the mountain climb, or in the difficult moments of life, that's when you are being shaped. David was shaped for his great leadership, fooling with smelly sheep, <laughs> being looked over by his father, mm. uh, kind of disrespected by his brothers. But God was preparing him mm. for for a great a great move, a great plan, a great plan for him. Mm. And so often, many, many, and I tell young preachers this, younger preachers, young people, listen, don't despise humble beginnings. Don't despise mm. the, 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 the sometimes drudgery that goes with pre- the preparation stage yes. of life. Yeah. There's a promise coming if you can sit through the preparation. Mm. This is, uh, I'm mindful, uh, just uh, having started at IEPUI teaching a course this week, Uh, of Apollos in Acts chapter 18, uh, where he's a brilliant man, a brilliant mind, a logician, a philosopher, a theologian, but he needed to have the way of Jesus explained to him more fully fully. by two people in the congregation who many would refer to as laymen today, probably not a great term, but nonetheless, uh, people who are in the pew, as it were. And once he was under their tutelage, he then went out and even further mystified uh, his listeners by the tremendous uh, opportunities that he had to engage uh, his listening audience. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we come to you from 2131 East 10th Street, right across the street from the Bonner Center. And when we come back from our one-song break, we're going to be re-engaging this issue of a theological, biblical view of leadership. Warp and Woof Radio, we'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, radionext.tv, at the Cool Groove site, right across the street from the Bonner Center, 2131 East, 10th Street. Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Echo here engaging with you about this particular issue of leadership. Uh, We were just talking off air about the necessity of training in leadership, and I think, uh, Dr. Posley, that might be not a bad way to begin this segment uh, because, you know, let's, let's take it from any other vocation stand, uh, standpoint. If you're going to be a bricklayer, if you're going to uh, be a house builder, if you're going to be a plumber, if you're going to be a lawyer, pick a vocation, it doesn't matter. Guess what you have to do? You have to go learn something. Absolutely. So there has to be some substance to whatever it is that you are engaged with. And so for Dr. Posley and I, the issue is always going to be one of theology. We're going to approach this because we are biblically based from a biblical vantage point. Make no apology for that. We know that uh, those who might see us or hear us uh, see things from a different point of view. That's great. We truly understand that and and appreciate it. Indeed we do. Uh, But the issue of training, uh, the issue of learning is huge for us. And so uh, when we say the kinds of things that we say about the necessity of that, uh, this is not something that we take in a small way, but it's very important to us. Right, right. 
I'm, I'm thankful that we're not left, that, we, that, that God has not left us to ourselves mm. trying to figure out the world yeah. without Scripture. Yes, without the Holy Spirit, without without the right. power of revelation, which is God's greatest greatest gift. That's right to humanity. That's right understanding, revelation, truth. And so, you know, I I, um, I was thinking as you were talking, Doctor Echo, where where would we be, the both of us, mm. with with these yearnings to know, or these desires to like to want to see cultures and people come together, without the not some knowledge of scripture. Yes. Some some grounded, <clears throat> some root, some place to anchor truth. Yes. Because as we were saying off off air, um, I, I we believe our world suffers to some degree from people trying to have these conversations just out of their passion mm-hmm. or just out of anger or just out of emotion mm-hmm. or just out of hatred. Yes. Or you know, or just out of uh, personal experience yeah. that that you you can't you can't you can't that's dangerous. Yeah, absolutely, that's dangerous. This reminds me of something. Everybody, uh, for those of you who are on Facebook, uh, I don't know if I put it up on Twitter or not, but uh, I linked you on this by the way uh, this morning. There's, there was a great uh, piece from Colonel West on um, the issue of leadership, uh, but more specifically, he was interested in his connection to his friend Robert P. George. Now. Colonel West is, as we've, uh, I think, mentioned before, um, uh, from a liberal pa- vantage point, sociopolitical vantage point, his friend uh, Robert P. George is conservative. And so you have a black man and a white man, both of them who are PhDs, both who are professors, very similar to what's going on right here, by the way. And uh, what I did was I linked all kinds of different folks, in fact, some of my colleagues at IUPUI, and I said, Look, this is what we want to do. The kind of thing that Colonel West said this morning, uh, or in this particular interview that I posted this morning, was fantastic. It was wonderful to emphasize that the university is important. The idea that we need to hear different voices within the university is important. That you don't shut somebody down just because they don't believe the same thing you do. Man, that is tremendously helpful. And so... It's the very thing that Dr. Clyde and I are doing here in Indianapolis. We're basically saying to everybody with optics, look, here's a black and a white man uh, sitting next to each other, PhDs, love each other, care for each other, and care about the issue of bridging cultures. So I think that's a really powerful statement. Yeah, and and, and not, not only is, is it powerful you know, politically, social politically and all of that, but isn't that a democracy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what's supposed to be happening, yeah. that we are... We, you know, um, total agreement, mm. in my view, is a danger mm. to a true democracy. Mm-hmm. We we need opinions. Yeah. We we need to people to bring their presuppositions to so that we can challenge mm-hmm. each other. And because all thought should be challenged, except God's, of mm. course. But all all human thought should be challenged because we're we're flawed. And none of us have all the information. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, and so, we we, we should have debate and conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what Doctor West is doing is is, is, a, is a great example. Uh, Doctor West and uh, and um, Robert P. George. Robert P. George yep. uh, is is a great example of what the of what, in my opinion, what not just what our show or their or their uh, uh, collaboration or even America, but the world should be that mm-hmm. we are better. When we bring our gifts as leaders together yeah. to uh, um, uh, uh, check 
challenge one another. Mm. And, and intelligent men mm. can challenge without arguing. Mm -hmm. Intelligent yeah. women, mm. uh, because some of the greatest philosophers that I know are women. Mm. You know, you know. So intelligent mm. uh, uh, people can debate, can listen, can 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 grapple, mm -hmm. and then have lunch. Mm. And then have <laughs> You know, and then have lunch. It's okay. And then we, you know, we, we we can sit down and we can have dinner. You know, we, we because and it's important. I love to be around people that have uh, opinions rooted in something. I have to agree. Yeah, you said that. I have to agree. Yeah, it, it can be far fetched. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. Just for the sake of everybody seeing us, watching us, hearing us. Uh, by the way, we don't agree about everything. <laughs> And that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. We have good conversations about good things. Uh, by the way, just a, as a, a side note, and maybe I shouldn't even have said that. That's kind of a sad thing to say. Uh, as a preeminent concern, of course, as Dr. Clyde brings this up, is a concern about women in leadership. And I'm mindful of the fact that I should mention my wife's favorite uh, leader, uh, woman leader in uh, First Testament, who is Hulda. Who was, by the way, when they brought her the Word of God, when the Word of God was silent for so many years because nobody had it in their possession, and then it was found in the temple, and um, they bring it to somebody saying, you know, who are we going to get to interpret this for us? They found a hermeneutics prof in Hulda. I find that very fascinating. And here's a woman who's basically saying to the rest of the patriarchal society, hey, look, I'll, I'll explain things to you if you want to know. Right. This is where this is coming from. Right. So to our colleagues uh, everywhere who are women, we esteem you, highlight what you do, uh, our privilege to stand alongside you in the tasks that we've been called to. Uh, when we think about the issue of, of leadership, let's take this a little bit further and and really uh, think about what does leadership mean from a Christian vantage point mm -hmm. within the culture in which we live. Because as you and I both know, we live in a pluralistic culture where right. we have lots of different points of view. It's not just between you and I. It's right. not black and white right. only, not conservative liberal right. only. It's ta we're talking about cultures. Right. I mean, huge differences here. How do we begin to think differently as Christians uh, within the framework of the question uh, what does leadership look like from a Christian vantage point when you're in cultures that are different from your own? That's that's a, that's that's a task. Yeah, that, that's a task. There, there has to be. I don't. I don't really like the word tolerance. No, I, I agree. I don't. I don't, I don't I'm like right it. there with you. But there there there, there, there has to be um, an, an an acceptance. It's hard to disrespect people's culture and then have union and, and then have unity <laughs> right. with them. Yes. Yes. You know. Uh, whether it be um, uh, 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 what uh, Native American culture or uh, Hindu culture, uh, you know, uh, or any of not necessarily Native American, but any of the five uh, major quote unquote religions, mm -hmm. we have to we have to accept that our approach to to world citizenship or global citizenship may be different than other people's approach. But if we're not care if 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 we look closer we might find that they're trying to accomplish the same thing we are. <laughs> yes. You know. That's right. And often we, we go we, we ostracize people because of their the the methods mm -hmm. the cultures have produced. Right. Without with, with, uh, sometimes without considering 
that their methods may be just a different way of doing what we're trying to do. Yeah. It, it reminds me of uh, what C.S. Lewis uh, called an, the abolition of man, the Tao, and he said there's a common ethic that's uh, across cultures, mm. and it's a universal because God has embedded these universal principles within the culture. Whether or not you agree to whether or not God has embedded these right. things or not, nonetheless, they are still there. So for my colleagues who uh, are perhaps uh, of a different persuasion, perhaps more of a humanistic or right. uh, perspective mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, nonetheless, we can still agree in terms of the work that we do because we agree to these universal principles. Right. And that's a crucial concern. When King discussed the universality of man and, 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 the, and, and what he called the Negro problem, one of the things he was trying to get over was that any problem in any culture, because sin is relevant to all cultures, requires the help of other cultures. That's right. So if 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 there's a problem in uh, the Asian culture, and they are in America, or, or there's a if there's an American problem in Asia, mm. then it's going to require the help of all surrounding cultures, because. There's no problem that can exist that other cultures can say they can't understand mm -hmm. because of the universality of sin. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if, 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 and so what we must find ourselves doing is being available mm -hmm. as if, if we, if we truly leaders, if our cultures will serve as leadership and examples to other cultures within a society, mm -hmm. we must find ourselves available and cognizant, mm -hmm. and dare I say compassionate, oh. to the plight mm -hmm. of other cultures. Mm -hmm. You know, because we, we're talking about individual leadership, uh, by and large, you know, for the most part here. But cultures serve should, should serve as, as leaders, mm -hmm. leaders, yes, as models. That's right. Yeah. When I'm thinking about, uh, as, as you're talking about these things, uh, your good comments about the differences of cultures and yet the similarities of them, I, you know, here's a real practical example. I'm just a practical guy, so, you know, here's here's what I have to say about this. We had in our subdivision here recently some road work being done. And where you live? The same where, yeah, where we live. And so, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for these guys to finish this road work, and they've left these huge bumps to go over, so everybody's slowing down and all of these kind of And, you know, I'm sure I'm like most everybody else in the subdivision who says, well, can't you guys finish this project? What's your problem anyway? As you're talking about this, I'm re I'm recognizing my own sinfulness in the sense that you know my my desire for them to complete this project within the framework of what I think ought to be uh, ought to happen right now. Mm -hmm. And so even within the concept or context of cultures, let's say for instance within a workplace. Uh, I don't understand all of the things that a leader has to deal with or an administration has to deal with, and so I'm here trying to deal with my thing, but, you know, I might be upset with somebody right. else because, from my vantage point, they're not doing their and job. That's not uncommon. I believe if, 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 if listeners uh, would acknowledge, we've all had a bit of that. That's a, great, that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. 69, to get to where I live, I have to go up there, 69, and... Uh, they had at night they block it off, you know, and I and 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 I'm all oh, this traffic, you know, why you why now why now? Okay, but they're smoothing the bumps, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're patching holes. Mm -hmm. Now I've had to replace several rims this oh boy this season. All right, you know, as many people have, and and now which do, Clyde, which is it? 
<laughs> Which do you, you want to buy more uh, uh, wheels? Yeah. Or do you want them to take the time? So, or are you willing to be inconvenienced for a, mm-hmm. uh, for a, a moment mm-hmm. for a better ride for everyone? Yeah, that's right. So when we think about a leadership, uh, you know, we're not talking about highfalutin, ethereal concepts that are above everybody's head. We're always interested in putting the cookies in the bottom shelf here. So when we talk about uh, issues such as this, we want everybody to understand, hey, leadership happens at every uh, juncture. And, and we're all being shaped. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, don't, you don't get to a place, uh, humans don't get to a place where you are a leader and now you are just there. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's right. We're all still learning, mm-hmm. evolving into the leader that God, if, if we're children of God, that the to the uh, evolving to the leaders God wants us to become. Mm. It's a process. It is a process, and that reminds us of the theological concept of sanctification. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's such a thing as progressive sanctification. That is that we are uh, g- becoming more and more like Him, uh, who we serve, and that's a crucial concern for this. Right. So uh, back to the question as it relates to culture and it re- as it relates to leadership and a Christian view of these things because we're concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just give one example and you know just jump in at any juncture. Uh, like you, you know, you've you've mentioned that you have uh, sons and daughters in the ministry and mm-hmm. and the marvel of of what you've been able to do in terms of discipleship. And over the years, of course, as a teacher, I've had you know how many students I don't know. But uh, just to give one example of this, uh, one of my students who was one of the most recalcitrant, uh, upsetting people in my classes in all of my history of teaching, uh, constantly an irritant, um, has since that time become a believer, uh, is now mayor of his city, uh, and is now having a tremendous impact in his culture. Why is that? Because there's been a change within his person to become, as you said earlier, more compassionate, more understanding. I mean, even something as simple and as silly as the fact that they had these, uh, you know, some kind of open days in his city where everybody's celebrating the city and so on. And he went to the dunk tank. And he said on social media, he said, now if anybody has any outstanding grievances, I'll be at the dunk tank if you want to take them out on me. You know, you're using humor to get the point across that, hey, you know what, I'm just like you. I'm fallible, flawed, all of those kinds of things. But there is a true leader, somebody who sees the community in which he lives, serves it with compassion. Right. You know, the, the scripture, the scripture uh, points out that many of the faith leaders of the, that we would, what's, what's called in the Faith Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews, had similar beginnings to what you just described from your student, about mm. your student. Mm. Um, um, Moses had, had been a mess. David had been a mess. Elijah struggled with depression and mm-hmm. emotional issues. And 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 I, I I will just say this: when I first went to Bible college, the president of the university he couldn't stand me. Oh, I could not <laughs> shut up. Oh, I could not shut up and was just ignorant as a, I was excited about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was excited about telling. You know the world. I knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know Jesus, but I was just as ignorant, and 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 I just and and so one of my professors pulled me to the side at Doctor Eccles and said, "Listen, I want isn't it, and he's gone on the glory. His name is Doctor S R Stacy R Shields. He said, "Listen, you are a really smart fella, but you are just as stupid as they come." <laughs> 
sorry. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I'm he, sorry. He said that he, he's. I said, "What do you mean, stupid?" He said, "He said I meant what I said in both instances. I think you are really smart, but you need to learn to listen before your passion destroys mm. you." He said, "If you give us th- mm. uh, four years to teach you." Mm-hmm. What you really want to know that you mm-hmm. think you can learn by being disruptive. And mm-hmm. I really wasn't being disruptive in the sense of trying to mess up the class. I was just, every, I just didn't know how to You're be a student. You're excited about I was, it. Yeah, I didn't, and I didn't know how to be a student. So he, he, he taught me. And uh, I, I say today that my passion uh, for education and, and learning and listening mm-hmm. I had to be taught. Mm-hmm. I had to be slow to. I had to be taught to be slow mm-hmm. to speak and quick to hear. And that was a relational Absolutely. learning that you were exactly. going through. A leader came to me mm-hmm. and sat me down. He thought enough of mm-hmm. me. He loved me, mm-hmm. and and he he told me, "Listen, this is a crossroads for you, son." Mm-hmm. And, and he told me that he he had seen he saw himself in me because he said, mm-hmm. uh, "You know, I, you know, passion untamed mm-hmm. is destructive." Yeah. That uh, reminds me of, uh, of Proverbs 19.2 that talks about the necessity of passion along with discernment. Those mm-hmm. two things have sure. to go together. Absolutely. Yeah, this, uh, this idea that somehow uh, we bear responsibility for uh, relational growth. Let's mention this, by the way. This is a very important issue. In Luke chapter 10, where there's a listing of Jesus' apostles, mm-hmm. And uh, they're they're given uh, their due in that particular passage. There's a very interesting phrase in English that says they were with Jesus. Now, leadership isn't something you just learn from books. I mean, I got a ton of leadership books, like I'm sure you do, right. uh, on your shelves. Right. But you don't just learn leadership by reading books. Right. That's right. You learn by being with somebody else. Absolutely. Relationship. Man, it takes us a whole show to talk about That's that. right. I really, I, you know, I, I think that's one of the missing links, you know, mm-hmm. in, in uh, uh, what's the word I want? Proper leadership, uh, ecclesiastical succession Ooh. in churches. Yeah. Because we have so many younger preachers who um, just believe that they can do well because they can preach mm-hmm. or because people are saying mm-hmm. amen and a few of the things they're saying. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't even mean that what, first of all, what you're saying is correct. Right. But secondly, pastoring or church leadership mm-hmm. is less about excitement and more about a discipline to principles mm-hmm. that the leader continues to practice. And let's flip that around to your good point and say the other, and that is that some uh, pastors hang on way too long. Way too long. Way too long. Way, way, way too long, and they don't. And, and, and they don't. They don't. And, and, and often, more often than not, I don't know every situation, obviously, but more often than not, that's that's fear mm. of their of, of their future and the fear of uh, of unknown. Mm. You, know, you, you and I want you to say, if you don't mind, no, here's ahead. a good spot for you to say that uh, to talk about that legacy. Ah, okay. You know, because yeah. a lot of a lot of pastors don't get that. They don't know that they're really. Shaping their legacy, right? To let the Holy Spirit lead there. You know, just to make that point, whenever you talk on the radio about the, the things that you've learned, invariably, two or three times during any given episode, you talk about people who have influenced your life. Absolutely, these people have left their mark, their Absolutely. image on you, 
And so what I say to uh, people all the time is that legacy is not just what you leave behind, it's who you leave That's behind, right. the crucial concern of this relational commitment and connection uh, with people and individuals. Absolutely. We've just got a couple of minutes here uh, left in this particular hour before um, Larry Smith comes in from the Tobias Leadership Center at IUPUI. Uh, final thoughts uh, as you think about leadership uh, here in this first segment, a Christian view of leadership, a biblical rootedness in leadership. You know, there's just so this is such a such a time. I can't remember this author. Uh, this book called "The Dark Side of Leadership." I read the book that I read several years ago. But you know, leadership. Um, God can do so much with so little mm. if we give Him an opportunity. The, 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 you know, to any would-be leader out there, or, or younger preachers, or younger uh, uh, future teachers, or future professors, Doctor Echo just hit it on the head. Find you someone. You know, Hebrews six and uh, I believe six and twelve says, "Follow those who, through faith and patience, have inherited the promises." Mm -hmm. Find you someone to mimic, mm -hmm. to to follow, mm. to, 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 to glean from. And it's going to seem like it's long. And you may not even always agree with the person that you're following. Dr. Troy Ladd, who, who, who I sat under, he, he, put, he actually paid my way through seminary. Oh, wow. From my former church, the Little Bethel Baptist Church. Oh, good for they, him. They, that's, that's the church Sherman Radford Pastor. Oh, now. that's cool. Nice. Yeah. He, he told me, son, when I first came to that church, he said, son, you're going to learn just as much to do as a future leader, mm. as you will learn what not to do, mm -hmm. but listen and watch for it all, mm. because without you know, I'm, I'm not here to show you my perfection to get you to leadership. I'm here to show you what leadership looks like, mm. so you can bounce it against what you know and what you're learning mm. against what you're seeing. Mm. Man, Dr. Troy Lab was just mm. he was he was just awesome. He was awesome for me, and again, I do I owe a great gratitude, yes, to God, but. His use of yeah. people. Yeah, people. that's right. Yeah, absolutely. The emphasis that we have on people is huge for us. Uh, we're really uh, consumed by who we have been given uh, an opportunity to be with, and yes. that's really a crucial issue for and us. He has so blessed us, blessed us with people, you know, Mark, that who, who, who he shaped so that they would have uh, empathy and sympathy and compassion mm -hmm. and commitment to us. Because mm. without that, man, I wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah. And I mean that. Yeah. Uh, just a, a quick comment. Um, we don't really say much about money, but let me just say something about money. What you just hear, heard Dr. Clyde Posley say about a church paid for him to go to seminary. Absolutely. How many more churches would I love to be able to say on air, wow, that church paid for that person, they were foresightful enough to say they see something in that person, they want to take care of those expenses so they don't have to worry about them, they can get the most out of their schooling. What a wonder that would be if more churches would be more considerate of that kind of thinking. That's right. We are coming toward the top of our hour. We're going to be taking a two-song break here in just a second. Uh, we are going to be joined here in studio by uh, Larry Smith from the Tobias Leadership Center at IUPUI. We're just thrilled that he's able to be with us here today. Uh, but before we leave, we just want to say again uh, how important it is uh, for you to be with us. Thank you for joining us today. 
at Warp and Woof Radio, we truly believe in bridging cultures. That's what we're here to do. Our, our emphasis is always to say to Indianapolis and to the world that there is a better way to live life, and that is based on Titus chapter 3, that we might, as Christians, do good, do good, do good, and attract people to the gospel because of that. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv, at the Cool Groove site. We're pleased to be with you here today. As always, Wednesday from 10 until noon, for those of you watching us live, Facebook or YouTube, or picking up the archive footage later on, or for those of you who are going to be listening to the podcast, uh, Dr. Clyde Posley and I were on the first hour discussing the importance of leadership from a biblical, theological, Christian vantage point. In our second hour, we are privileged to have with us Larry Smith from Tobias Leadership Center at IUPUI. Uh, Larry, we're really pleased that you're able to be with us here today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your church, just kind of your general bio. Well, I I am a uh, Hoosier native, a fifth-generation Hoosier. I've been here for five generations. I've always lived in in Indiana. I went to college in Massachusetts, business school in California. Other than that, Mm -hmm. I've always lived here. I'm the proud father of uh, three children, uh, one of whom is grown, married, celebrating her fourth anniversary at the end of this mm. month. No grandchildren. Uh, then I have a ten-year-old. I'm sorry, an eleven-year-old and a thirteen-year-old at the Oaks Academy, sending mm. them to a, a wonderful Christian mm. school. Uh, I've been at the Tobias Leadership Center now for two years as the managing director, but I'm also an alumnus of the program from the uh, cohort of 2010. Mm. And t- just before we were we came on live, you were talking about your church. Do give a plug uh, to this church and the uh, places that the church is organized. Absolutely, I appreciate that. So it's New Direction Church. Uh, you can find us at ndcbetterlife.org. Uh, we have, we're one church in two locations, one on East 38th Street, literally right next to the East 38th Street Library, and our other location, our new location, at 86 and Hague Road, right on the corner of 86 and Hague. Now, the, the title of your church, New Directions, always makes me wonder, I've got to ask Larry, <laughs> why did they name it New Directions? So here's your shot. So it's a great, great question. So initially, it was uh, charity, uh, not New Direction. Uh, it was founded by Pastor Sullivan uh, Pastor Sullivan's father, hmm. Ken Sullivan Sr. We are now pastored by Ken Sullivan Jr. I've been there a little more than uh, two years. And uh, Pastor Sullivan, um, I don't think I'm giving any any secrets away when I say that he's very open about uh, his background, uh, struggle with substance abuse, was saved in a rehab f- hmm. a facility in 1999. Very open, very transparent about that. God turned his life in a new direction, and so our church is, is called New Direction. Excellent. Wow. So for 20 years, uh, he's been clean and sober, and that's a marvelous Absolutely. thing and uh, a marvel to hear. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, when we th- stop to think about this, and when we should probably segue this into leadership, um, that is that all of us are flawed and fallible and fallen, and uh, we really have uh, the kinds of things that we deal with on a regular basis as leaders uh, sometimes arise out of our past. Mm-hmm. So... How do you think it is for leaders that that they benefit or maybe in some cases don't benefit from uh, the past experiences that they've had? Uh, how can it be better for leaders? Uh, can we speak to that issue? Yeah, I think it's so critically important for leaders to be transparent about their struggles and about the things uh, that they have overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only one perfect person as far as I'm aware. And uh, so when leaders are, are transparent, I think that 
helps uh, other, other people. I also think it's important for them to share their experiences uh, with others in terms of how they overcame. So mm. we know that you overcame, mm. but how you did it. It mm. is a, a process. We're saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. Mm. Uh, and so I think that that's critically important. Mm. The issue of example is, is a huge issue for us. So I'm thinking about that passage in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 11, where Paul says, uh, he tells all these stories, of course, of what happened in First Testament teaching. And he said, all these things happened to you. He says this twice, for your example, as an example for you. Can that not still be true for us even today in our own culture? I think that it is absolutely true today. Um, and I think that as we have uh, leaders who are open about their faith, and I, I'm talking about um, outside of Christendom, mm-hmm. outside the church, yes. but people who are people of faith, for being, you know, Tony Dungy comes to mind. He yeah. was here just this past weekend, did a oh, book signing. Nice. Uh, he and his uh, wife uh, have written a, a new book. And so when you have people like that, it's easy to say, well, of course, he or she is a pastor or a preacher. But when you have people of faith, uh, like, for example, Tony Dungy, who stands up and says, this is who I am, uh, I think it helps with lay people. Yeah, it really does. And, of course, he won a Super Bowl, which is nice, too. That's a small thing. <laughs> That's a small thing. <laughs> just, 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 game. just to make sure everybody remembers that. The first African-American coach to win a Super Bowl, that was a, a marvel. So uh, when we think about uh, the examples that people have all around us, uh, let's tie that now into uh, Tobias uh, Leadership Center. Uh, and here's a question that's kind of been rolling around in my brain ever since we met, and that is, how do you choose the people mm. that you have come to speak to the fellows? Uh, you know, it, does it depend on the example, their experiences? How do you do that? That's a great question. So um, the majority of our speakers are longstanding. They were there long before uh, I got there. We begin with an idea of, as Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind, right? One Mm -hmm. of the seven habits. So what do we want our fellows to take away? And so we kind of work backwards from there. Mm -hmm. And so one of our sessions, for example, I don't want to give too much away because I do want people to apply. We want want things to be kind of a surprise. But one session, uh, we go down to St. Minred Monastery Mm. in southern Indiana. And that is uh, an exceedingly reflective uh, trip. Some of our um, excursions are very interactive, very physical. This one is very reflective, uh, and we, we have an opportunity to think about who am I as a person. Um, not everyone is a person of faith who goes, mm-hmm. uh, who goes through the program, certainly, uh, but it does give uh, a chance. We actually talk with the monks who are very, mm-hmm. very open about why they chose this life, a life of uh, poverty, a life of celibacy. Um, they didn't have to do it. No one, you know, uh, tied their arm and tied their arms behind their back to do it. Mm-hmm. They, they chose chose this life, and so we try to think about what is the most well-rounded ex- set of experiences that we can give to our fellows that will help them to become better leaders. Mm. When you think about uh, the people that you're bringing in, uh, and you said that they have long-standing experiences and so on, uh, the kinds of folks that you're looking for do the do the people have to uh, agree to some kind of a a belief system or anything like that? Uh, absolutely uh, not. We want people who come from uh, all faith backgrounds or no faith uh, background. And again, I, I, I w- want to be clear, Tobias Leadership Center is not a faith-based organization. Right. I want to be clear about that. Uh, I happen to be a, uh, a person uh, of faith. But I, I will say that, um, and I don't have permission to say the names, but I will say that uh, some of our leaders are Christians mm-hmm. uh, who, who present to our uh, to our fellows. Yes. And this isn't uh, to press a point, of course, to our audience and to our listeners uh, about, because, of course, Dr. Posley and I have 
give no apology for where we stand or who we are, uh, and we're not suggesting anything by that. We're just suggesting by the opening question, how do Christians engage in a culture that is not necessarily their own, and obviously within a pluralistic culture, of course, that we live in, we have to navigate all kinds of different engagements. I think that's really a powerful way to go about doing this. And, and the fact that, you know, you're a believer, that's the reason why you're here in this show today. But nonetheless, uh, we still bear the responsibility to engage with people who don't believe or think like us. Indeed. Yeah. So this morning, uh, just to kind of uh, set, this, set the stage for this next question, I ran across a, a very interesting... Um, interview with Colonel West, mm. and it was fantastic. I loved it. Um, uh, I don't always agree with Colonel West. That's fine. Uh, Dr. Posley and I don't always agree. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Uh, but he said some really cool things about his relationship with Robert P. George, who's a, a white conservative Princeton professor. They're famous, long-standing friends from years ago. Mm -hmm. um, when you think about a black man and a white man who have the same degrees and who also, by the way, have the same passion. Mm -hmm. That is that people be open and listen to each other. How do you think that fits into the framework of helping your fellows in a leadership program to expand their listening abilities mm -hmm. to other cultures? I think that's a great question. Um, as a believer, I don't think it's an accident that God gave us two ears and one mouth. <laughs> uh, we should listen at least twice as much as we speak mm -hmm. uh, and, and really listen to each other. Um, listen to uh, to understand, not merely to respond. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to do that. We are, I mean, as you know, as everyone knows, our culture today uh, really suffers from, uh, I, I think, a, a lack of genuine uh, empathy and understanding and a desire to communicate as opposed to just get my point across. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is criti critically important. You need to do that uh, across political lines, across racial lines, across religious lines. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, I believe, and again, at the end of the day, we don't always have to agree, and that's okay. Uh, I, I think, um, unfortunately, sometimes, and I think this is on, on the right and the left, uh, that if you do not agree with me, you're a bad, evil person. Mm -hmm. I think there are certain principles that we all should agree are evil, but it should not be because, you know, Democrat, Republican, uh, conservative, that... It is, um, can we learn from each other? Mm -hmm. How do we live in a pluralistic society in advance if we refuse to listen to each mm -hmm. other? One of the things that happened a couple of weeks ago uh, on this show was that uh, Dr. Posley and I spent two hours face-to-face -face talking about politics. And he's a progressive liberal mm -hmm. uh, Christian. I'm a perennial conservative Christian. So you have these two different points of view. And this is, these are the kinds of comments that we were hearing afterwards. Mm -hmm. Folks were saying, we couldn't believe you weren't yelling at each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, as I might chuckle about that, I'm also saddened by it because that's exactly the kind of culture in which we live. Mm -hmm. So to your point and to the issue of leadership and to bias and what you do there, um, how do we overcome this idea that somehow my way of thinking has to be right? Do we need more fellows programs? Do we need the kinds of services that a Tobias leadership center can provide, I know what the answer is to that, of course, but beyond that, you know, what, what can we do to continue to expand these opportunities? I think there are a couple of things, and certainly, yes, it's uh, something that the Tobias Leadership Center is very interested in. Uh, I, I think there's a macro answer and a micro answer, and I'll start with the macro answer. It, it really begins with, like, you and Dr. Posey, for example, sitting down uh, with a core set of beliefs, the same text. Mm -hmm. uh, 
not always agreeing about it, but just uh, having a heart uh, of Christ to sit down and, and, you know, as the Bible says, come and reason together. Uh, on a macro level, I think it is, um, whether it is through the media, uh, social media, Facebook, uh, YouTube, and so on, uh, but also through our institutions, our churches, uh, synagogues, mosques, whatever, get together, uh, talk about our issues in a way that says we're not going to agree about this text uh, in all its implications, but at least we can come and talk with each other and ensure that our each of our viewpoints are heard, that we don't always have to take up arms, that we don't always have to yell at each other. Our children are looking at us, mm-hmm. and they will learn from us, uh, irrespective of whether we intend them to do. Mm-hmm. They will, they will uh, listen to what we say, but they will uh, develop in terms of what we do, what, mm-hmm. uh, the example that we show them. So uh, whatever I say to my children, it's, you know, sometimes it feels in one ear and not the other. <laughs> <laughs> but they will certainly observe how I treat other people. This is something you said off air just before we started, um, as you talked about how important it was to live this before others. And I'm mindful of that passage in Second Corinthians three two, where Paul said that you are epistles known and read of all men. I, I think today he would say your emails known and read of all men. You know that kind of thing. Well, maybe, but maybe text messages. <laughs> text messages that too. Yes, yeah, Snapchat. Pick a pick a social media site. You've been listening to Larry Smith from the Tobias Leadership Center at IUPUI. We're privileged to have him on the show and the program today. Some of you might be picking up us us up later on the podcast, and we're glad to have you there. Uh, actually, about a thousand people either view or listen to uh, the podcasts and the uh, live archived footage that we have in front of you here today. Uh, I think that's a tremendous statement uh, to the uh, folks in and around Indianapolis who really care about the kinds of things that we uh, care about. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We're going to be taking a one-song break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking more about the Fellows Program at the Tobias Leadership Center at IUPUI with Larry Smith. We'll be right back. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You're listening to us from 2131 East 10th Street, right across the street from the Bonner Center. And we're privileged today to have Larry Smith with us from the Tobias Leadership Center at IUPUI. And he is here to discuss not just leadership, but very specifically his program and the kinds of things that they do there. So for the rest of our time here together, Larry, let's talk about uh, the specifics, maybe some of the, of the details. One of the things that I think would be really interesting, I think, to people is who are actually some of these fellows that are coming in. Kind of give us a, a broad brushstroke of who they who they are and where they come from. It's a great question. So l- let me, uh, by way of preface, say that Ambassador Tobias spent his entire career in corporate America. He could have said, I only want people from Eli Lilly, Cummins, etc. He didn't do that. He said, I want to have people from the private sector, large and small, nonprofit, mm-hmm. faith-based. We've had uh, four or five clergy members. Uh, so the Tobias Fellows Program began in 2006, and it's a cohort of between 15 and 20, if you want to call them executives or senior leaders, uh, every year. Our alums, we have about 200 alums. Uh, among them, we count Jeff Harrison, uh, who heads Citizens Energy. Uh, there's Jeff Sparing, who used to run Riley Children's Hospital, now mm-hmm. runs Seattle Children's Hospital. Ernest Malone, our current uh, fire chief. Um, we, wow. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had uh, just so many uh, people uh, across uh, the sectors. Um, currently, we have, for example, 
Uh, Sean Smith, who is the superintendent of Lawrence uh, Township uh, uh, School System. Wow. Uh, so it, it's really uh, an impressive group. It's, you know, it's, it's sometimes I, I wonder, well, how was I admitted uh, back in 2010 <laughs> when I look at all these uh, wonderful individuals? We yeah. Have. You know, quite frankly, just as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about the students that I'm teaching at IUPUI and thinking, you know, it might be kind of nice to have a, you know, a five-minute commercial break and have you come down and just tell them, hey, this is what we do here. I would love to do that. Man, I'm... I'm inviting you. Get, get ready. Stand by on the email, man. <laughs> and, and I also, as I'm going through the names in my head, I realize I didn't mention any women. That was by accident. Uh, so please uh, don't don't email Dr. Urkel uh, with with anger about because this is this is my oh, feeling. So funny. Dr. Uh, Nikki Woodson, uh, who's also another uh, school superintendent, uh, Rita Wright, who's uh, one of the assistant fire chiefs. She's the person, typically, mm. if there's a major fire or, or a disaster, she's the person who you'll see on TV, mm. uh, the chief spokesperson uh, for the fire department. Uh, Lucy mm. Downton, who's a vice president at United Way of Central Indiana. <laughs> so men and women, so not, not single gender. I want to be clear about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing so hard because Dr. Posey and I did exactly the same thing in the first hour. <laughs> No hate mail. No, hate no mail. seriously, and I, you know, I feel bad about that all the time when I do dumb stuff like that. So, for what it's worth, and we were actually talking about Hulda in the First Testament about she was the only one who could read the text of Scripture and interpret it for the Absolutely. guys, you know. Absolutely. Anyway, so for what that all of that's worth, um, so the issue of getting uh, students to uh, engage at, at their different levels, and you know, I got to be honest with you and say this, I am fascinated by the fact that you are. You are bringing in fellows who are already established in careers. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't get that. Straight up, man, just tell me what that's about. That's a, that's a great question. And so, yes, um, most of our fellows have at least a master's degrees, a degree. We've had MDs. We've had PhDs. But these are folks who believe that there is some area in which they can still develop their leadership skills and abilities. Uh, and they can do that in a quote-unquote safe space. So you're in there with people of um, similar positions. We never pick someone from the same organization uh, mm -hmm. because we, you know, it's kind of the Vegas rule. What what happens here stays here. <laughs> so you don't want to talk about you know your boss at such and such organization and there's someone else there, uh, or or one of your employees, uh, as is likely uh, the case. And so uh, so yes, uh, it's not a degree program. I, I want to emphasize that the people who we attract. Again, in addition to already having typically a graduate degree, although not always, are people who are very, very pressed for time. So they're not looking for a degree program. They don't necessarily have the time to have a degree program. Uh, it is rigorous, but it is not uh, rigorous in the academic sense of doing papers, uh, a theses, or any, anything like that. It is really about coming together, understanding what your leadership strengths and weaknesses are. We give them a professional coach, a PhD in organizational psychology, wow. uh, who helps them understand their personal leadership styles and how it fits within the context of their organization. Wow, that's, you know, honestly, it kind of takes my breath away when you kind of lay it all out like that and everybody gets a personal coach wow that's really impressive um, you said something about this this issue of um, folks who are in the same kind of position and I'm, I'm going back to the question I asked before I'm going to expand it broaden it out a little bit more and you said that they don't have a lot of time so why 
I, you said that they, they see themselves as lacking in some area. Are all these areas the same area that they're lacking in? Uh, no, they are not. We actually give them a personality assessment. It's changed over time. Okay. When I was in the program, we took something called Insights, uh, which is used by Eli Lilly and, and other uh, companies. Um, we, we've uh, done DISC. Uh, we now do something called the Hogan assessment. And so this is before they officially join the cohort. You take the Hogan assessment. We have it reviewed. And so once you're in the cohort, you go over your personality traits, and not only yours, but how does it relate to the folks in your cohort, and how do you relate to people in your organization who have the same or different personality? Because sometimes people get along very well with people who have the same personality type. Mm. Sometimes you only get along with people who have a different personality type. And mm. so I think that's one of the... I, I'm not, I can't speak for every program in, in the country, but I can say that I've never heard of another program that not only picks people from all of these different industries, but also gives them that coach and, and that assessment. Do you think, this just strikes me as I'm listening to you talk about this, do you think that there are people within the organizations that um, these folks are coming from uh, who are saying to themselves, man, I'm really glad you're doing this because you really need some help. <laughs> I, I, I think so. That's prob probably uh, the, the case. And, you know, so some fr certainly most from a, a developmental standpoint. Mm -hmm. But others, yeah, we, we all have blind spots, and they're blind spots because we don't see them. Yeah. And uh, there are some organizations that have sent uh, four, five, six, seven people through uh, mm. the program. Uh, Duke Realty, for example, has sent wow. several people. Um, hmm. United Way of Central Indiana has sent several people. Eli Lilly and Company uh, has sent several people. And hmm. so uh, that that is probably the best imprimatur, the best stamp that we have, that organizations continue to send, or at least to nominate, uh, people uh, every single year. And that that's uh, really something we're proud of. Do you think that this organization, the, the Tobias Center, uh, Leadership Center, is in the position that it's at because of its founder and progenitor, the, the person who has established it, not just with his name but with funding? I, I think that it's absolutely. We, we are successful in large measure because of Ambassador Tobias, who is just the nicest, and I, I mean this, I'm not just saying this, a genuinely humble person. He actually, so here was the really the precipitating event or events that uh, caused him to give the, the gift. In the early 2000s, as you'll recall, there, we had all these corporate scandals. <laughs> Enron, yeah. uh, MCI WorldCom, Health South, on and on and on. And he said at this point he was retired, although he did go. He, he keeps flunking retirement. <laughs> um, so after he retired as chairman and CEO that. of Eli Lilly, he went to go work for the George W. Bush administration, became the head of PEPFAR, uh, President Bush's AIDS initiative in Africa. He also became the head of USAID, so he, he was in charge of American aid around, around the world. Um, and so he said, we need to train a different kind of leader. Mm -hmm. And so ethics is one of the sessions that we have. And, you know, typically uh, at the head of that session, I introduce our, our speaker for that session. And I, I always uh, say, well, you know, ethics are important to some people, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and so that's why, we, that's why we send our fellows through an ethics session, session every, uh, every year. Wow. Well, uh, so you're talking, about, you're talking about a man who has had this brilliant career, a long-standing career, and behind the scenes, in my thinking, I'm, I'm saying to myself, is the reason why he's so humble and nice and generous and so on, uh, is part of that at least, that he has been invested and involved with so many different cultures? I, I think so. He, he is a truly uh, cosmopolitan uh, person, uh, loves people, welcomes people, welcomes uh, ideas, 
And I, you know, again, I, as a Hoosier, I, I can say this. I mean, he was he was born in, in Indiana, so he has. I, I think he was reared with uh, certain uh, values around humility, uh, around being grateful for what you have, and and uh, not everyone has that view. Uh, certainly, uh, we are very fortunate that he does. Mm. When you when you think about leadership, whatever case it might be, if it's civic, it's if it's religious, if it's educational, if it's business. Let's talk about some of the major characteristics that are really essential, and and let's talk about them in in the scope of the culture in which we live now. Mm-hmm. Because of course we all know that time and place, time changes, place doesn't. But the people constantly are shifting in their thinking and mindsets, their dispositions and attitudes. So, if you were going to say to people, "Hey, here are the top two or the top five or whatever," we can broaden these out however you want to go. What kind of characteristics do you think are necessary in leadership in 2018? Uh, I think a, a, a few. Certainly, I would say uh, transparency. Uh, transparency is, is critically uh, important. Mm. Uh, I think humility is important. I think that uh, the ability to communicate effectively is important. Mm. You know, when you go uh, and you you interview for a job or you read a job description, invariably it has. Ability to communicate. Even <laughs> apparently, if you're not talking to any, anybody at all or interacting with people, the ability yeah. to communicate. And it always says oral and written, which is always a little frustrating to me because for me, listening should be on that list mm. uh, because I think it is the most important uh, uh, skill regarding communication that we have. We have okay. to listen. If we don't listen, we won't understand. Mm. So you've talked about transparency. So uh, just for those of you who are might be watching this, who are my students, you're going to see this piece right here that we just did with Larry Smith because that's just like this big thing, like shut up and listen. That would be cool. Anyway, so transparency is a big deal. Uh, if you were to broaden that out and list other characteristics, other things that you think are important in this culture 2018, well, I, I certainly think um, empathy uh, is important, mm. uh, and, and not not sympathy. I know sometimes we conflate those terms, mm. but truly being able to understand, uh, you know. So, f- for example, uh, when Jesus finds out that Lazarus is not, you know, Jesus wept. The shortest sentence in the entire Bible: Jesus wept. Uh, he had empathy. Now, of course, he knew what he was going to do, uh, but that um, passage always gets to me because it shows his humanity and his humility and his empathy for his friend. And so I think if we don't have uh, empathy, um, we, we don't have a lot. I think uh, generosity, not only um, uh, of you know, financial means, certainly that's important if you have that, but generosity of, of spirit. Yes. Um, years ago, John C. Maxwell came to Indianapolis, had a chance to hear him, and he mentioned another leader, I won't say who it is, but uh, this was someone he looked up to. And um, was a great orator, very intelligent, very wise, but he was at a conference at this per- that this person, person spoke at and noticed that during the breaks in the conference, the person didn't interact with people. Mm. And so he decided uh, that he, John C. Maxwell, decided that he was going to be a different kind of leader as he sort of rose to where he is hmm. now. And so the ability to interact with people, to have empathy, um, not to put up barriers. You know, anyone could come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, we, again, I talked about St. Meinrad, uh, they're Benedictine monks, and their philosophy is um, treat everyone as if they are Jesus. As, treat everyone mm-hmm. as if they are the Messiah, because you don't know. They might, the Bible says, you know, we entertain angels under, unawares. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're entertaining Christ unawares. Mm-hmm. Holly Abib has been in our show. He's uh, uh, actually uh, retired from Lily, but <clears throat> now has a restaurant 
uh, on the uh, near Fishers, actually. And uh, it's a, a marvelous thing, but uh, Ethiopian descent. And uh, he's whenever I see him and go over to share coffee with him, he says the same thing to me. Uh, you may be Jesus mm-hmm. in flesh, you know. That I've, I've actually been to his restaurant. Have you? I, I didn't know he had been on the show. I was there maybe a year and a half ago. Um, yes, so I've, I've been there. Wonderful place, a wonderful person, and boy, talk about hospitality. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. So, you know, there's a word that, honestly, whenever we hear the word hospitality, we really don't think about it in terms of anything outside of dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, we think of hospitality in terms of there has to be food on the table and I'm going to be eating something. Let's talk about hospitality in terms of inviting people into our space and place of thinking, mm-hmm. of work, of community. Um, how important is that within the Tobias Leadership Center? I think that, that it's incredibly important. And so uh, we have um, s- sessions, opportunities for the fellows just to get to know each other, mm. to become friends. And we can kind of tell after about the second session whether the cohort is really gelled. Um, in fact, this cohort, as interesting this year, we knew that they had bonded from the first session because they were already making fun of each other. Ah, there you go. Uh, and so right. you know, they had never That's met, right. uh, and they were already making fun of each other. But mm-hmm. they go out of their way, and, and, and in fact, in our alumni network, they uh, many of the, of the court not not always not uniformly, but in, in many cases, they still get together. Even mm-hmm. years later, they'll have dinner, they'll meet for coffee, whether it's one on one or uh, in a, in a group setting. I, mm-hmm. I just think it's it's incredibly important. And I did a, a cohort PhD program uh, with 11 other individuals, and I met some of their spouses and children afterwards. And whenever they would talk about, you know, these the kids or the spouses would talk about uh, how important it was for them, I'd listen nicely and politely, and and then smile and say, I, I really don't know that you fully understand. I would take a bullet for your husband. Mm. I mean, I would step in front of that for him because that's how much I think wow. of him. Those kinds of experiences in a cohort, man, you do not set those aside easily. Oh, that's marvelous that that happens. Um, We talked off air just a moment um, about somebody who just came to town uh, here this weekend, and uh, I'm judging from what you said that you might have been there. there. So it was funny. So Tony Dungy uh, came to town. He went to Lifeway Christian Bookstore. I was not there, but um, my son's uh, classmates, uh, he goes to the Oaks Academy. They have wonderful school, great parents. one of his friend's mothers took them oh, first nice. to the Lego store. Oh, there you go, the Lego store. Uh, at Castleton, and then to Lifeway Christian Bookstore, and, uh, yes, uh, stood in line to get books signed by, nice. by uh, Mr. Dentry. Wise woman, by the way, and taking them to the yes, Lego yes, store Yes, right. <laughs> Give them the dessert first. That's right. <laughs> and, and then took them uh, to the bookstore. Yeah. So I've, I've read uh, a couple of Tony's books. I wasn't one of them. Quiet Strength, was that yeah, one of them? Um, and I, I'll never forget... You know, reading some of his experiences on the football field and with football players. And for those of you who don't like football, don't watch football, don't hear about football, let me just say, these are big men. And they are, you know, monstrous, muscled people. Uh, Fantastic people, of course, but nonetheless very large people. So I'll never forget when Tony, uh, in one of his uh, little biographical points in the book, said, uh, when he was introducing himself to his new team, it might have been the Colts probably did this for everybody, he said, now, gentlemen, you're listening to the tone of voice that I will use all the time. I will not yell, and the decibel range will not go higher than this. I'm thinking to myself, how in the world are these huge men, and they're quite vociferous, I'm yeah. sure, big voices and so on, he speaks at that kind of level. I mean, 
what does that say about a leader, you know, of a, a Tony Dungy kind of caliber? I think it says a great deal. Uh, you know, I'm a, a parent of two young children, one uh, older child, and I, I'm, I'm human, so every now and then someone might say that I <laughs> yell at my kids. Uh, but I always take that as a personal failure. Uh, mm. That if, if I, I've not done something right, if I have to yell mm. uh, at, at them, and uh, I think it speaks to just his his, uh, his character. Now, if if you listen to him, he'll, he'll talk about, but he wasn't always that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is really the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in him. Um, and I'll give a quick example um, uh, that he wouldn't tell, but I heard Warren Sapp. Uh, tell in oh, oh, when my. his son, uh, when uh, Tony Dungy's son uh, passed away, um, Warren Sapp was among the men, uh, his former players, who went to go and console uh, Tony Dungy. But Tony Dungy ended up consoling Warren Sapp. Mm-hmm. He's you know, this, if you know who Warren Sapp is, oh, my. this is a large individual. <laughs> uh, he collapsed in Tony's arms, and Tony oh. is consoling him mm-hmm. as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. That was. Uh, we won't go into the details of that uh, particular episode in Tony's life, but certainly one that was uh, that no one wants to engage personally if if it can be helped. And uh, but then to hear that kind of story and uh, Sap and so many of other of his players, uh, I mean, they just tell stories oh, about yeah. this they man. Love they love him. Oh my word! Talk about taking a bullet for somebody. I think they would do that for awesome. him. So. Let's talk about, let's segue now into that, connect Tony Dungy and football players and what it means to be leaders uh, in that kind of venue, and then ask the question, okay, would a Tobias Leadership Center fellow um, gain something like that? What would be the kind of likeness that you would see that would cross over in terms of a, hum- a humble, quiet spirit? How do you teach that? Uh, you know, I... How do we teach that? That's, that's a great question. I, I think for most people, um, they're either born with it, uh, mm. or uh, I think Christ, and I know not everyone would agree with this, mm-hmm. but I think that, that Christ infuses uh, people's hearts. So I'll give you an example. In my mm-hmm. cohort, back in 2010, uh, there was a guy named Kenyon Ingram uh, who he worked for Eli Lilly. He was a, an HR director, human resources director, um, gentle, kind, uh, just treated everyone with respect. Um, today, he's—I I think I'm going to get this title right—but the global head of HR strategy at mm. Eli Lilly and, and mm. Company. And so he just wow. kept getting promoted and promoted. He was on uh, the high potential list. He was a high pot as we. Hmm. Uh, I started in corporate America at, at Cummins. That's what we call it: high pots, high potential folks. Um, mm. But you talk about someone who just had a heart for people. Um, spoke, knew how to speak with people, knew how to listen. Mm. Uh, and I, and, and you know, I not giving any, any secrets away when I say that he, he's a, a believer. Uh, but but I look at someone like that uh, just with great admiration. Mm. And he, he's still the same person today, irrespective of how high he's um, grown in one of the biggest corporations in the country. Mm. He is the same person today. My. Isn't that the thing, though? When you see a leader who doesn't change when they get uh, these positions. I was on social media with a friend who... Uh, was interacting with me about something that I had put up. I think it had to do with uh, the exorbitant salaries the CEOs mm-hmm. uh, get and that kind of thing. Um, and he was uh, talking with the, about the person who I won't name that was mentioned uh, as probably the worst boss he'd ever had. Mm. And this person had died, and, and he was talking about um, what kind of culture he created 
And so, and he's part of it. He said was that as he as he gained more and more prominence and and gained more and more companies, he became worse and worse mm-hmm. as a person. Mm-hmm. How do you stop the flow of pride in leadership? I think that's the question that comes out of that for me. I, I think it really is, and I, I don't want to give a cop out answer, but I really think it's it's a God thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble, and it's it's a it's a struggle. Um, I think, and we, we all have. Our challenges um, spiritually, whatever they may be, you know. Personally, I, I um, uh, try to remember that I also have flaws, but I also love. There's a there's a great Chinese proverb that says, "I have no friends, I have no enemies, I only have teachers." Ah. And so, as I look back, because I've had uh, bosses like uh, like that, unfortunately and fortunately, um, those people taught me as much as the quote unquote good bosses, because mm. they taught me how not to be. And so I've had people who are in my life very, very blessed, many uh, mentors, some intentionally, some unintentionally. Uh, but I've learned a great deal in all those situations, and I, I try to take the best of what I've learned and apply it in, in my own work uh, career mm. and life. Just as, a, just as a point of reference to who you are as a person, you said something off air I just wanted to quickly touch on. Uh, we've got about five minutes left, and I, I wanted to ask you about your love for apologetics. Mm. Yes. Why, why is that? Well, you know, First uh, Peter three fifteen, right? Always be ready with an apologia, the Greek word, uh, a defense, uh, an answer back uh, for the hope that lies in us. And so, you know, my uh, grandmother, who's uh, uh, long deceased, my mother's mother, um, growing up, I mean, she was a wonderful person, very, very brilliant, uh, a student, didn't have the opportunity to go to college. I'm a first generation college student. Mm. Um, she would always call me, uh, Mr., usually call me Mr. Smith. She would say, Mr. Smith, <laughs> all you want to do is argue. All you want to do is argue. And I would say, no, Mamaw. Everyone called her Mamaw, including the neighborhood kids. Uh, but she was, of course, right. I did love to argue. Uh, but I took that and, and channeled that into something uh, positive. I love the life of the mind. I love to debate. And, uh, and so apologetics just fits uh, right within that. Mm. That concept of the life of the mind is a big deal for us as Christians. And honestly, we don't really think about it all that much um, unless we talk about college kinds of things. But nonetheless, I, it's a huge issue for us. I wasn't blowing smoke earlier. I really would love to have you come down I, I, to the class. Absolutely. And uh, so hang on to that. we just got a couple minutes left. You tell us, uh, if you were going to leave us with an idea, a thought, uh, something that you think is essential for us to remember about the Tobias Leadership Center, what would you tell us? I would say that we take people from all walks of life, uh, that we uh, take people who are extremely interested in self-improvement. You have to have a sense of humility. Uh, now, you know, in some cases, I'm not saying it's never been the case that a boss didn't, quote-unquote, force someone to go. But I also think that uh, um, you, you can force a person's body. You can't force their mind or spirit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, come to us uh, in any way that we can help. By the way, the website is, that, if I may say, www.tobiascenter.iu.edu, tobiascenter.iu.edu. We're accepting applications right now for 2019. It's January through December. It's a year-long program. And uh, applications will be available through October. Wonderful. You've been listening to Larry Smith from the Tobias Leadership Center here at IUPUI in Indianapolis, and we were pleased to have him on the show. And looking forward to hearing from him again, uh, getting him in front of some of my students there at IUPUI. Looking forward to that. Uh, You've been listening to Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Echo. In our first hour, we talked about the biblical theological Christian base for how we think about leadership. 
our second hour. Larry Smith has here, been here with us. Harold H.B. Bell has been our producer. He's the one who spins the cool jazz tunes that you all hear. And uh, they get cut out of the podcast, but you can watch them on uh, YouTube Live. That's an important idea as well. Uh, make sure that you touch base with H.B. at Radio Next because the work he does here in the city is the kind of work that we need more and more of. Uh, what HB says is all community all the time. That's what he's been about for seven plus years. We'll always, I always rave to everybody about what he does and who he is. We're right across the street from the Bonner Center. Uh, if you want to see some really good work going on in Indianapolis in the urban core, come down to 2131 East 10th Street at our uh, studio and then walk across the street to the Bonner Center. We're always glad to engage people from all walks of life. Thankful again for the opportunity to be with you here this week at uh, the Cominius Institute-sponsored Warp and Woof radio show. Warp and Woof, vertical horizontal threads that make fabric. From a Christian point of view, we approach this from Colossians 1.17. By him, by Jesus, are all things held together. Next week, we will look forward to another great guest, but you've been listening to us this week talk about leadership, and we've been grateful to be with you. Thanks for sharing our time with us, and we'll talk to you then.